chosen lover when I went dancing. God chosen die for me. Boom, five, eight. God chosen lover when I went dancing. God chosen die for me. Boom, five, eight. God chosen lover, chosen lover. God chosen lover, chosen lover. God chosen lover. Boom, five. God chosen lover, when I went dancing, God chosen die for me. Boom five eight. God chosen lover, when I went dancing, God chosen die for me. Boom five eight. God chosen lover, chosen lover. God chosen lover, chosen lover. God chosen lover. Boom five. Today we're talking about 12 things you need to pray in 2023. 12 things the church needs to pray in 2023. I believe this year we absolutely need to take our prayer life more seriously. Um, we need to level up in our prayer life. We really need to, to, to lean into God and seek Him in a way that we never have. And our prayer life has to, I wouldn't say improve necessarily, but mature. We need to take our prayer life more seriously. I have done a 15, 16 part series on prayer already. So if you wanna watch that, I'll link that in the description below. Um, but today I just wanna give you ver 12 very practical, helpful and powerful prayers that the church and you personally need to be praying this year in 2023 to really see God move, to really see God move because nothing of value happens without God. Nothing of eternal value happens without the intervention and the power of God. So if we're gonna see God move in our region, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our lives, in our children, in our families, in our churches, in our schools, in our government, in our nation. If we're gonna see God move, it's gonna require us to pray and ask Him because nothing is happening without Him. And so that's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God with intention and purpose as His own child according to His Word. And so we're gonna look at John 17, we're gonna look at Ephesians 1 and then James 1. And I hope by the end of this, you won't have a prayer list of things you already knew to pray that you're just going to stamp on your bathroom window and then never actually pray. I pray that if, if you're going to do anything, I know it can be overwhelming to have 12 things to pray for every day. Just take one of these, man. Just do one of these every day or one of these every week and then progressively add one in or, or shift one in and out. But don't think I have to pray all 12 of these. You can. You can. But I think some people would would walk away from this and go, he gave me 12 practical things to pray that are really powerful and grounded in scripture and would change my life and my world, but I just, that's overwhelming. I can't do 12 things. Well, let's just do one. Take one of these, focus on them, ask God to grow you in that area and mature your prayer life and take your prayer life seriously. That's the only thing that's gonna change the world we live in, our lives, and what we're really believing for is when we ask God, when we petition him and request the great king of kings and the creator of all, to actually intervene and move in our life. And so we're gonna to go to John chapter 17. I hope you understand the power and the importance of prayer, the significance of prayer. My, my desire 
towards prayer, my hunger for prayer has shifted in a good way. In a good way. Just recently, in this last month, I've, gr- I've grown and developed this, this great value for prayer. I used to prioritize scripture above prayer, where it would be like, you know what? If I had the choice, not that I'm putting the two at odds, but if I had the choice and I was faced with a decision, I could only choose one, and it was either read my Bible or pray, I used to be, I would rather read my Bible. And I thank God I don't ever have to make that decision because I have the open word anywhere I go, on my phone, got my Bible with me. So I don't ever have to like legitimately make that you know distinction or choice. But now, at least in the last month or two, it's shifted. Prayer has become more of a priority to me because all the knowledge and information in the world um, will not amount to anything without intimacy and relationship with God. And that's found in prayer. I'm not saying that's not found in the, script, in the scriptures, right? Like there, there is a God is revealing himself to us and showing himself to us and taking us deeper and, and enlightening the eyes of our hearts and, and you know, uh, pers- bringing more precision to our view of him, exalting himself in our, in our hearts. He's doing that through his word. But there's something about prayer that solidifies the truth we've come to know, that brings clarity and understanding to where how, and how we can apply that word in our life. There's something about that word being driven deeper and bringing a, us achieving a, a deeper level of understanding when we pray. There's something about the element of relationship and seeking God just to be with him, just to hear if he wants to speak, just to know him, just to enjoy his presence, just to worship and praise him. There's something about that in prayer that complements what we do in our, in, in our time in scripture. And so I've, I, I personally am at a place in my life where prayer is a bigger priority. Like I'm going to spend more time in prayer than I am in the word. Um, if I'm ever having to, to make that decision, like oh, I got an hour and uh, how do I split this time? I could do half and half. I'm going to pray more because God moves. God answers. I know him better. There's clarity. God, God does a lot when we seek him in prayer. And he does a lot when we open his word for sure. And I'm not, don't put words in my mouth. I'm not putting the two at odds. There's not a competition between prayer and scripture. But for me, what is more significant overall long-term is to develop that intimacy and relationship with God in just sitting and being with him like Mary sitting at his feet in John, in John's gospel, okay? And then the word complements that. But I'm telling you like knowledge, information, data about God disconnected from intimacy and relationship and his presence doesn't prove to be helpful in the long run. So we need to level up our prayer life this year, boys and girls, we really do. You see the trajectory of our nation. If you're in America especially, you see the way things are going. You see the decline of morality. You see how depravity is just increasing. People are getting worse and worse and actually going into deeper immorality. Like they're becoming more lost. You see it at the highest level of government, in our schools, even in the churches, you see it. What's gonna shift that? What's gonna bring revival? What's gonna bring an awakening that I know you're believing for? It's gonna be God. And it's not because of our prayers. Our prayers are not the basis and the source for anything good we see in our world. But when we pray, God answers. Prayer is the method God has instituted for for us to be able to, in, in some sense, participate in what he's doing in the world. That's one of the ways we get to participate with God is to pray. There's a cause and effect relationship. We pray, he answers. We ask, you know, he'll fulfill the desire and say yes or no or not yet. 
But prayer is powerful, man. And so there are 12 things we need to pray this year. In John 17 specifically, <clears throat> starting in verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. This is the high priestly prayer that the son may glorify you. He's about to go to the cross, be arrested, right? Be wrongfully condemned and ultimately be nailed to a piece of wood and die for our sin and pay our debt. Before that, he prays for his people. His thoughts and his heart is towards his people. His concern is for his people, not himself. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. That's a very appropriate prayer for Jesus to pray, having glory with the Father before the world began. Since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. This is a free one. I didn't actually list this one in the, in the list of 12, so this is about to be 13. 13 things the church needs to pray in 2023. Number one, verse three. Jesus desires, God desires for us, the world, especially as people, to know him. Now, we enter into a relationship of intimacy and friendship with God through faith. That's called being saved and being born again and becoming a new creation, right? That happens the minute you believe in the gospel. But there's a progressive unfolding of his character and his heart in our life. There's a progressive growth in our knowledge and awareness of his presence and discernment of who he is and recognition of his character. In other words, we, we grow with God. Like we grow in our knowledge of him and our intimacy with him in relationship as we invest into our relationship over time throughout our life. That should be your number one prayer. Number one prayer is God, I want to know you. Would you show me who you are? Would you cause me to know you? Like grow my relationship with you. Grow my intimacy with you. Take my friendship with you deeper. I want to know you. Not just in a salvation sense where I know you're the source of salvation. I want to know you on a deeper level in every other way that I can. As my provider, as my caretaker, as my father, as my protector, as my redeemer. Jesus says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you. Now Jesus doesn't explicitly say this and state this in this prayer, but his desire is to glorify the name of his Father. And as he does so, the Father glorifies the Son. So this is not Jesus seeking his own glory, isolated from the Father. This is Jesus seeking what God wants to do is to glorify and exalt his son at the resurrection, at the ascension, by conquering death and ascending to the right hand of the Father above all principalities. Jesus knows that's coming. Part of that glorification process is that he has to glorify the Father perfectly into death, perfect obedience even into self-sacrifice. He'll do that. And so this is the first prayer I had listed, but technically it's number two at this point. I'm gonna work with the list I had and I'll just count that first one as just extra, extra credit. Technically, the first prayer you can pray in 2023 is what Jesus desires of the Father and what the Father desires of Jesus. We should pray, Father, glorify your name. God, glorify your name. Make much of yourself in my life. Use my life as a platform to make your name great. Use my life as a method 
through which you distribute your glory into the earth and reveal your greatness and your power to the world. Use me. Glorify your name. Exalt yourself. Just like John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. He's allowing Jesus to kind of take center stage. That's what we should desire, is we're just paving the way for God. Our life should make way for his glory to be seen. I shouldn't obstruct it. I shouldn't try and get in the way of it and rob God of glory and take all the credit and say, look at me, I'm not after influence. I'm not after my name. I'm not after popularity. I'm not after a following. I'm not after a subscriber base and just building up my empire and my own personal brand. That's not what I'm after. And if you are, that needs to shift immediately. This year in 2023, pray that God would glorify his name. And whatever degree of glory he wants to give you, whatever degree of influence and exaltation you might say that he wants to bring into your life, let that be a byproduct of you seeking his glory alone. Not for the sake of your personal self-gain and your glory, but ultimately for his alone. So Father, glorify your name. Verse 8 says, I've given them the words you gave me and they've received them. And they've come to know in truth that I came from you. And they've believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them, Lord. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me. For they're yours. All mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them. Now verse 11. Here's our second prayer we can pray in 2023. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Father, Holy Father, keep them in your name which you've given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Now there's a double kind of prayer going on here. Number one, and this is our second prayer for 2023. God, keep me and your people in your name. Keep us in your name. Now Jesus is referring to the salvation process, the regeneration, the adoption into the family, the, hey, bring them into our family essentially. Make them one. That happens at the moment of spiritual regeneration when you believe. You become spiritually one with the rest of the church, with Jesus, with God himself. You become one with the Father and his people, okay? That happens when the Spirit of God indwells you and you're kept in his name. The name of God is the sum total of his character, the sum total of his attributes, who he is, his nature and identity, okay? His value, his worth, his reputation, his sum, the sum total of who God is, is his name. And we want to be kept in that. Now, when it comes to salvation and redemption, we're we're kept in that by the grace of God. And we are one with the church by the Spirit of God. But, okay, though that is true, there is the daily need to actually promote the experience of that unity in the church. And there's also the need for us individually to promote this people of the people of God and me are walking in the name of God and bearing his name rightly. Like Israel. Israel was called to bear the name of, of the Lord and actually like carry his reputation and be like a representative as a nation of the God who, who rescued them. God called them and commissioned them to go and be representatives in the earth and to bring his ways into the pagan nations. They failed. Jesus picks that up perfectly and succeeds where they fail. And so now we as the people of God are called to bear his name well, not to dishonor his name, not to drag his name through the mud, not to bring shame on his name and reproach, but to walk in the name of God appropriately to represent his character well, because I am kept in his name. That's what Jesus prays and his prayer gets answered. 
But there's also this daily need, Lord, keep me in your, help me to walk and enjoy and actually represent your name well. Uh, and not take the name of the Lord in vain. That's a daily decision. Will I take his name in vain? That's a moment to moment decision. Will I take his name in vain? Or will I represent his name well? Will I walk and stay in the sum total character of who he is and represent him well? Or will I wander outside of that? And even when I do, it doesn't mean I'm less secure. And we can talk about that another day. But prayer number two, keep me and your people in your name. It's the name of God being exalted in his people. And the end goal of that <clears throat> is the unity of the church. Now, spiritually, we already have unity perfectly in the spirit. We don't always see that manifest, though. We don't see the experience of that in our physical reality. Spiritually, we're perfectly united by the spirit in Christ as the body. But physically, when it comes to actually practically walking that out, no, we don't see that. So we'll get to the part where we say, make us one. But for now, that's the second prayer. Keep me and especially the rest of your people Keep us in your name. Verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name. So this is what Jesus does, which you've given me. I've guarded them, right? So there's a guarding, like um, I think it's Jude talks about uh, we're being guarded by a faith for a, for a salvation that's coming. Paraphrasing it and probably got two of the words right. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. What a title, first of all. Now, verse 13 is where we get our third prayer for 2023. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, watch. In other words, what I've told the disciples, here's the purpose, not the only purpose, but one of the purposes, is that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Can you imagine the level of joy Jesus, the eternal word emanating from the Father, had on the earth? Like, how much joy did Jesus have as God in the flesh? How much joy? It doesn't mean there was never sorrow. It doesn't mean there was never trouble or heartache or pain or, or struggle or emotional turmoil. We see that happen in the New Testament. He has those moments. He breaks down over Lazarus. He weeps. Right? He has to go to a secret place to be with the Father after hearing his cousin John the Baptist died. Right? He actually talks about how his, his heart is troubled. So the joy Jesus has is not, is not the absence of trouble and turmoil. Right? It's actually this amazing, not happiness, um, because joy and happiness are different. That's just the only word I can think of. Is it's joy in the midst of that. So here's our third prayer. In 2023, you really need to learn how to ask for God fulfill your very joy in us. Not me isolated. And you'll notice how all these different prayers you're praying, you're not praying isolated from the rest of the church. You're including the rest of the church in your prayer with you. Glorify your name in our lives. Keep me and your people in your name. Fulfill your joy in us. These are not isolated individualistic prayers. There might be certain prayers you pray like that. God, please help my child. God, please rescue my you know, cousin from, from sin, that kind of thing. But this is a collective congregational prayer where I remember it's not just about me, it's about the church. I'm a part of something bigger than me. So Lord, fulfill your joy in us. Can you imagine if the people of God had the fullest joy made available to them? So fulfill your joy in us. Joy is a powerful weapon, a powerful resource. It's a great blessing God gives through his son. He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. 
I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So Jesus here is praying for his people to be protected from the world system at large, from the evil one who oversees that world system that's in rebellion to God. And he goes, I've given them your word. The world hated them because of that. And they're not of the world, right? They don't belong to this world. They're not citizens of this world ultimately. Their identity is not in this physical, temporary, material world. Their identity is in, in me, Jesus says. Right? That's what believers are. Our identity is based on him. Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to another world. And so Jesus prays not that God would remove his people out of the world, but he would keep them from being of the world. And that he would keep the people of God from the evil one. So prayer number four in 2023 is this. Lord, keep us from the evil one. And part of that means, Lord, help us to not be of the world. Help us to not conform to the image of this world. Keep us from the evil one, that we might not be influenced, that we might not be swayed by the deception and the small lies that subtly creep in. God, help us. Keep us from the evil one. Help us to not be of the world, but while we're in the world, to actually represent your light and your truth and your love rightly. Keep us from the evil one, because the evil one's prowling around. If you can't have your soul, he'll take your effectiveness. He'll just mold you into the image of the world as much as he can, as much as you're able to, so that you become ineffective. And so keep us from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world, Jesus says. Now here's the fifth prayer, and probably one of the most powerful prayers you can pray. I pray this every single day. Like, without fail. Sanctify them in the truth. And I don't say that to my credit. I say that because I'm so aware of my need for sanctification. Like, I'm so aware of how short I fall. And how helpless I am. So Jesus goes, they're not of the world, just as I'm not. So part of God keeping his people from the evil one and not being conformed to the world is that he sanctifies us in the truth. So Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. The word of God, the authoritative, divine, infallible scriptures. The word of God for us, breathed out. The apostolic writings, the prophetic writings, the Torah. The word of God is the truth. And by that truth, God molds us, shapes us, conforms us to the image of his son. That's what we need. We don't just need to hunker down and hide from the evil one like a lot of you want to do from dirt what's going on at the highest levels of government and in the world around us. You're like, things are getting bad. I should hide. Being kept from the evil one isn't hiding. It's actually not conforming and instead living different. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. It's them not bending the knee when King Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, bow down to this massive statue I made of myself. And they go, no. That's them being kept from the evil one. That's them standing on the truth and actually being sanctified in that process. So we need to become more and more like Jesus so that we're more and more likely to resist the ways of this world. So we become, we become more resistant and resilient to the things of this world. <clears throat> Sanctify us, Lord, by your word. And so the word of God really transforms us in the direction of Jesus, makes us more like him. He's our role model. He's our example. So sanctify them in the truth, Jesus prays. That's a desire of our Savior. That's a desire of our God that we would be sanctified, transformed, be made into his image. Is that a desire of yours? Does that ever cross your mind when you're praying? Ever on your radar? If not, 
now you're aware that this is such a concern to God that you would become more and more like his son and live more like the perfect human you were called to be. It's such a concern to him that Jesus prays this in some of his last moments with his disciples. And the word of God is what accomplishes that. So if you're not uh, receiving the truth in some capacity, reading it, hearing it, sitting under sound preaching, um, meditating on it, hearing the word of God read aloud to you, like if you're not engaging with the word of God in some, in some level and allowing that word to like be planted in your heart, how are you going to be sanctified? If the tool God molds you with is his word and you have nothing to do with it, right? How much progress and maturity should you expect? Not much. That's why some of you are still in the same spot you were nine years ago. You haven't picked up that dusty Bible. Instead, you're following YouTube preachers all over the place and switching every single month to a new YouTube preacher until you find someone that really tickles your ears and tells you what you want to hear. And you're not actually in the Word of God yourself. <clears throat> As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them, in, them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So the only reason we can be sanctified by the, the word of God is the fact that Jesus consecrated himself, meaning he set apart himself, sanctified himself, laid down his life as holy unto God so that we could be sanctified by the truth of the gospel. So there's a once for all like, hey, you're set apart as the people of God when you believe. But there's also the daily, I want to become more and more like Jesus though in the way that I speak, in the way that I think, in the way, in my desires and ambitions and goals, in the way I interact with people, in the decisions I make and what I do, I want all of that to become more and more like Jesus and molded into his image. Verse 20 says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. What are you praying for, Jesus? Well, that they would all be one. Now we're back to the unity part. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. So the world may believe that you've sent me. So whoa, the unity and love of the church is going to play a role in convincing the world of the gospel? You wonder how we got to where we are and the world's unconvinced. The church can't be more divided than it is now. Well, probably can, but it's pretty divided, man. Pretty self-centered, pretty selfishly ambitious. Pretty all about platforms and money and, and greedy for gain and influence. And tickling ears and let's figure out how to make this sermon series lit and there's a place for those things. There's a not sin, but like thinking logistically and, and going, hmm, you know, how do we actually use this sermon series to bring unbelievers in? But man, we've turned we've made secondary things ultimate at the cost of unity. So Jesus goes Father, the same way you and I are one, would you graft them into us that we would all be one and that their unity would be at the level our unity is, Father? Like, that's insane. Can you think about that for a minute? The Godhead, the eternal Godhead that has no beginning, always has been, always will be. Perfect love, perfect harmony, perfect unity, perfect agreement <clears throat> between the Father, Son, and Spirit. That oneness, that unity... Jesus is praying that we would have that level of unity and his prayer gets answered. That's what happens when you're filled with the spirit. You're so grafted into the, 
to God and his people in, in oneness that you're more connected to the people of God and God himself than the very air you're breathing in and out. Just as you know, airs around us and within us, that kind of immersion, there's even more of a, you're grafted even deeper into, into God and his people. You have such a closer relationship and unity with them. <clears throat> now the practical outworking of that, <clears throat> the actual living united, living as one, loving and serving each other, that's where this prayer comes in. Prayer number six. God, would you make us one? <clears throat> and of course, we're thinking global church at large, okay? Like that's ultimate. But also, whatever local community you find yourself in, if it's a local community church, if it's a physical congregation that's in your neighborhood or, or down the street or across the city, or if you're a part of a digital community like the online church we have, hello, you can join the online church we have. Come on, YouTube description below, join it. If you ain't in the online church, you're missing out. Your faith can be grown so much and you could be seeing a lot of maturity and, and revelation and help and understanding if you would join our community. I'm telling you, our community is awesome. Not because I'm there. <laughs> it's not because I'm there. It's because the people that God has brought and the kind of community we have. Like if you're looking for, a, if you go to a local church and you're like, I want some supplemental additional community, join the Discord community online. If you're like, I don't have a place yet, okay, join the Discord community online. Maybe we can help you find a good local church. But in the meantime, have some fellowship with us. Fellowship, some fellowship online is better than none. And so join our online church. So whatever church you find yourself in locally, it's not to the neglect of the global church, right? You're not going, it's me and my pocket of believers. We believe in eternal security and all y'all who don't, you know, I believe in eternal security. So I'm not making fun of you guys. I'm making fun of myself if I am. But the point is, we, we, we so like, we hurt ourselves and we just gather with other people who are like, hey, do you meet all these theological criteria that I have? Okay, cool. You can be with me. We'll be in the local church. Let's start this thing. And it's to the neglect of other believers who have different secondary, you know, opinions. So the prayer should be, Lord, make us, unity should be a part of your prayer life. If you don't have a concern for the overall unity and love of your local church and the one that you're a part of, or you're not even involved enough to have a concern for that, you need to pray for God to give you a concern for that. And it starts with praying. Like just start praying. God, you care about the unity of your church because apparently that plays a role in the world being convinced of the gospel. That's a big deal. So here's the prayer. Make us one in your name as you are one God because the Lord our God is one. <clears throat> that compound complex unity within the Godhead. The Lord our God is one. The same way Adam and Eve, husband and wife are one. The same way the body of Christ and Jesus are one. There's this compound unity going on. So what we're praying is, Lord, the, the oneness you have within yourself as the Godhead, would you help us walk in that? It's possible. You and I hear this and we're like, there's no freaking way. Are you kidding me? Like that kind of unity, eternal, perfect, like that's available to us. It is like, not because you're good enough, not because we're awesome, but because God is in us and with us and he can make that possible. But do you believe it? And do you believe it enough to pray for it? The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. See, so there's that comparison, the glory um, or the oneness that we have father, that's the oneness I want for them. The unity I want for my people.
I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Are we perfectly one in spirit? Yeah, by the spirit of God, our, our standing before the Father is perfect unity. Do we live like that? No. And that's where our prayers come in. That our life would actually mold to the image he's given us. That our, I'll say it like this, that our, our practical everyday life would conform to our, our status and identity and position in Christ. So that the world may know you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Hmm. Wow. So verse seven, or number seven, is found in verse 23. Here's your seventh prayer you can pray in 2023 that you should, you need to. We as the church need to be serious about this. It's this, Lord, convince the world of your son through our love and unity. So this is not just, hey, make us one. This is, hey, use our love and our unity. First of all, grow that. Make that a reality where we love and serve each other selflessly and humbly. But second of all, here's my other prayer, Lord. Use that love and unity to convince the world to bring revival, to produce a great awakening in the earth, uh, the likes of which we've never seen. Would you do that, Lord? Would you answer our prayer? That's what we should be praying. Like, Lord, convince the world. We don't just stop and go, make us one, and then we got it from here. It's like, no, Lord, you produce the fruit that we need, even through our unity. You bring the results and the success. Verse 24 says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where, I'm, where I am to see my glory. That you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Verse 24, Jesus' desire for his people is to be where he is, to see his glory. Now, <clears throat> as with everything we've been talking about pretty much, the sanctification, the oneness, the love, the unity, it's the same with the glory. Ephesians tells us we're actually seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. But I'm still here. <laughs> so spiritually, I'm so grafted into him that I am where he is. That we as the body are where he is. And the eyes of my heart, my spiritual eyes, have been opened to behold and see the glory of God in his son. That's why I have believed the gospel. I was convinced of the glory that, you know, he has. I saw it in the eyes of my heart. Not with my eyes, physically. But in my heart, I saw the worth, the value, the supremacy, the awesomeness, the glory of God. Those unspeakable attributes of who he is communicated in the gospel. I, it made sense. The eyes of my heart saw and understood the gospel. So in one sense, we are with him. We do see his glory. But in another sense, there will be a day when we see that in a fuller capacity. And when we're actually with him in a better way. We're like, we're physically in his presence. Like, he's here, new earth, new creation, things are going good. And we'll see and behold his glory with our actual physical eyes. Whatever that looks like, pun intended, in the new creation. And so the Father bestows glory upon the Son because He loves Him. This is an eternal glory because Jesus already said, hey, um, you know, the glory I had with you before the foundation of the world that I shared with you, let them see that, let them know that. So here's prayer number eight, ready? 2023, this should be your heart cry. This is when things really happen in our life. Not always according to our plan and our preference, but things happen, God moves when you pray things like this. Number eight, 
Father, show us your glory more each day until we fully behold you. Show us your glory. Open the eyes of our hearts even more. Reveal to our spiritual eyes the greatness of your glory, the radiance of your goodness. I want to see and know the glory that you have, that it would weigh upon me in a good way that drives me to live different. And Lord, that is our prayer. That is our prayer. Would you do that for your people in 2023, Lord? That's what we desire, is to see and behold your glory. There shouldn't be anything else that competes for that ultimate request, which is just to be with you and to know you and to walk with you and to actually behold you rightly, to have right thoughts about you. Father, would you answer this prayer in Jesus' name? We need to know your glory. We don't get it. Would you help us? Help us in our weakness. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. You will. That's the eighth prayer we should be praying. Show us your glory. Verse 25, Jesus says, O righteous Father, even though the world doesn't know you, I know you. And these know that you've sent me. Like they're convinced that I came from you. Verse 26 says, I've made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known. So that, here's why Jesus reveals his character and nature progressively to his people. It's so that the love with which the Father has loved him may be in us, and Jesus in us. Not only the love God has for the Son, but Jesus, the perfect expression of love, will be in us as well. So the capacity and the ability to love as well as love himself and the example of perfect love and the love of God itself, like that, all, all those different dimensions. So here's prayer number nine. God, would you fill us with your very love? Like, think about this. The love the Father has for the Son that he's always had in eternity past. Can you imagine the kind of divine, perfect love that is? how beautiful that is, the kind of love the Father has on the Son, and that the Son has for the Father to say, I, I want to go lay my life down for them. I'll give myself up to save and bring them into our family. That he's, he's invited us into that love, into that relationship. We're not standing at a distance going, wow, the Father loves the Son. We're in it. We're caught up in the hurricane and the tornado of the love the Father has for the Son, and the Son has for the Father, and the Spirit is in that. We're caught up in that. We're like being bombarded in every direction by that love in a good way. So number nine is, God, fill us as your people with your very love. Would you do that, Lord? That should be your prayer. God, fill us with your love. So to recap, John 17, like we need that love. Otherwise, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us we're just clanging symbols. Look at our gifts. Look at our platform. Look at our influence. Look at our innovation and creativity and how many people we're reaching. Where's your love? Uh... Well, look at all this stuff. No, where, where's your love? Your concern, your desire to benefit another, your desire to be, a, to be a reason someone else's life is better. Your desire to promote their well-being with your life and lay yourself down in the process. Where's that? Selfless love. That's what we're called to. So we're not just saying, fill us with your love in a weird kind of like filling up a cup kind of way. No, fill us with that love so we can love people too. Because we can't give love we don't have. I can't love in a way that I don't understand. I need to understand and know the love God has for me so I can give that 
and demonstrate that to people. So to recap, glorify your name. Number two, keep me, keep us in your name. Number three, fulfill your joy in us. Number four, keep us from the evil one that we wouldn't be conformed to this world. Number five, sanctify us, transform us in the truth. Make us more like your son. Number six, make us one in your name. The way you are, God, the way you are one. Number seven, convince the world through our love and unity of your son. Number eight, God, show us your glory. Show us your glory more each day until we fully behold you. And number nine, would you fill us with your very love? Now we're going to jump to Ephesians and then we'll end in James. But before we do, quick commercial break. Have fun. If you've not already done this, go to AboveReproachMinistry.com. We have a bunch of free resources that are made available to anyone around the world, completely free and accessible to anyone who wants to learn how to read the Bible. We have free online Bible study courses that will teach you how to read the Bible. We have free study devotionals that walk you through specific patterns and keywords in the book of Ephesians. We have free Bible study worksheets. We have Bible study workshops. We have all this free content because of generous supporters like you guys. And if you want to support this ministry, we're teaching people how to read the Bible so they can live and teach the Bible themselves. And there are a bunch of ways to donate. You can go to AboveReproachMinistry.com slash donate. You can give through debit or credit card. You can send a check to P.O. Box 338, uh, Green Cove Springs. You can give through PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, Patreon. And then you can also get some church merch. If you've not already grabbed some church merch, I would recommend you do that so you can represent Jesus on your body. And all the proceeds go right back into this content so that we can reach more people and equip people to, you know, live and teach the Bible themselves. And if you didn't know this, I actually have a book. I've published a book. It's called Fruitful. And the point of this book is to be a resource to the church to teach people um, the essential keys for the most abundant Christian life this side of heaven. And so in this book, what I do is I, I outline the gospel absolutely clearly <laughs> so you can actually know what the foundational truth is. And then from there, we discover what our purpose is, what our process is, and what our position is now in Christ. So if you are a new believer, or if you're a believer that really wants to understand what I believe are the essential key truths that a lot of people don't understand in the church, I would grab a copy. And if you haven't already joined our online church, get in that online church. We have a lot of cool stuff happening, events every single day pretty much. Uh, we're in there praying and fellowshipping and gathering and growing together as a community. And the last thing is this. If you haven't already checked out our podcast, uh, we have podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else where you can get a podcast. And pretty much all the content on YouTube, the live streams, what we do is we um, make that into podcast format so you guys can just listen on the go. So go check that out if you have not already. And let's get back to the video. Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> We're going to see Paul's prayer. We saw Jesus' prayer. Now I want to show you a couple of Paul's prayers in Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. Listen to what Paul says. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, here's the measurement, according to the riches of his glory, God would grant you, grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, so let me break this down real quick. Here's the measurement. Here's how much power is available and possible. Okay. Here's who's doing it, God. 
He's granting us, right, to be what? To be strengthened with power. Add that in. So the power we need, God grants us the strength. Uh, he grants us strength and strengthens us with his own very power, which is according to the riches of his glory, by the way, which means, I would say, infinite, unending. So that very power he strengthens us with, he gives us how? Well, through his spirit. There's the method, the distribution method. In where? In your inner being. So this is the measurement. This is the who's doing it. This is the what. This is the how. This is the where. Does that make sense? Because that whole like grammatical structure gets confusing in the English. In other words, Paul's saying, Father, would you strengthen your people spiritually through your spirit with the power that is according to your infinite riches and glory? Give them that power. What's that power for? Why is he strengthening us spiritually in our inner beings? Well, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, watch, here's the reason for the strength, may have strength to comprehend. Okay? What are we comprehending? What do we need strength to comprehend? Well, with all the saints, what is the breadth, length, height, depth, and to know the love of Christ? Right there. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that's beyond human knowledge? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Right? So that's what he's praying. That's what he's praying. And he lets us know, by the way, God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So God is able to do far more abundantly beyond what you and I even comprehend or imagine or expect when we pray this, specifically. So Paul, here's what Paul's praying. That if I could just use layman's terms, God, strengthen your people to know your love and to be filled with the fullness of who you are. Root them and ground them in your very love. This is a prayer for the people of God to know the love of God in an intimate, familiar relationship kind of way, in an experiential way. Do you see it? We need divine power and strength to even do that, to even do that at all. Because you and I, apparently, we don't have the capacity to know the love of Christ the way we're supposed to. We don't have the capacity to do that. So God gives us the capacity, he gives us the ability, and he strengthens us um, by his spirit to effectively know that. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to check a message that I thought was important. So the point is, here should be our prayer, okay? Number 10 prayer, we should be praying. Father, would you empower us to know your love in order to live in that love? Like, Lord, would you root us, ground us, deepen us in your love? We don't just want to be immersed in it and experience it. We want to know it and understand and comprehend the depths and every dimension of that love. So this is not just informational. This is not just data. This is not just analyzing it from a distance. This is experiencing it, being immersed in it, walking in it, seeing it. And then that brings understanding and depth of knowledge. And then that results in what? When that happens, when we know the love of Christ, 
will live in the love of Christ and display the love of Christ and give the love of Jesus to people. And that's what he calls being filled with the fullness of God. That should be our prayers. Lord, I just want to know your love. That's become more of a prayer of mine. It's God, I'm sitting here because I know that you bring understanding and, and, and wisdom. And I want to know the infinite love you have for us. How can I know it if it surpasses knowledge? Because the divine strength God provides you, right, allows you to know what you on your own could not know. But also there's this, the love of God is incomprehensible. You can't fully understand it. It's infinite, right? So with that in mind, you can't fully know it, but that doesn't mean you can't know it at all. So the love of God is knowable, but incomprehensible at the same time. Ephesians chapter one, we'll get one more prayer of Paul and then we'll jump to James. I just love the prayers in Ephesians specifically, okay? Paul says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I don't, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. What is he praying? Well, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So what Paul is praying is, Father, would you please give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, for what? First of all, it comes through or in the knowledge of God. So how do we get wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, through knowing him. And you're like, yeah, knowing Jesus actually produces revelation and wisdom in your life. So this is not like, God, they don't have your spirit, of, they don't have your Holy Spirit. Would you give them that? This is, hey, these people are yours. And the spirit of God who is often, you know, referenced as the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation. Uh, would you give them more of that in an experience? Would you give them more wisdom, revelation found in knowing you? Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So now he's talking to the audience, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And then he'll go on to talk about how great this power is, just so you understand. He worked this power in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. This is the supremacy of Christ here, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so here's really what Paul's praying. And here's the 11th prayer for 2023 that you need to pray. Father, open our spiritual eyes to know all that we have in your son. Help us to know our inheritance, to know what we have access to, to know all the blessings and all the different things that you've given us in a relationship with your son. Help us to know these things and understand, not just in a data analysis kind of way where it's information that I, that I process. I want to know it in a familiar way experiential kind of way. I want to understand. I want to comprehend. What specifically though? Well, Paul's praying that the church would know after their spiritual eyes are opened that by doing so, having their eyes open, they would know the hope they have, the hope they're called to, that they would know the riches of his glorious inheritance. That's how much God values and treasures 
you as his treasured possession, as his people. We are the inheritance of God. He's decided to inherit us as his own and to call us something to be inherited. Like we're a treasure to him. He's assigned us that value. And to know that, this is not necessarily knowing your inheritance in in Christ. You, you, You can also find scripture to support that. But what Paul specifically is asking for here is, I pray they would know what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. How much you value and treasure your people. And you also might be able to draw out, hey, the riches of his glorious inheritance, that's his people. So we're called to know the riches that we have in Christ. In other words, don't just know how much God loves and treasures and values you, but seek to know all that he's given you access to in his son. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? There are three things you can pray for God to open your eyes to. Because a lot of Christians are not necessarily, some of them might be blind to this, but a lot of us, including me, we're just unaware of what we really have access to and what we really have in Christ. And to know what you have available to you and to understand that deeper, it's going to change your life and produce a completely different kind of life where you live effective and you live on purpose and you live to the full capacity of what God's called you to. So pray this. God, open my spiritual eyes to know all that I have in your son. I want to know the hope I have. I want to know the glorious inheritance I have in you and that you call me. And I want to know the great power that's available to me to conquer sin, preach the gospel, resist the temptations of the world, stand strong, represent you well. And the last prayer is a very simple one, but it's very powerful when you actually learn to pray it. <laughs> James 1, 5 through 6 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. It'll be given to him. But hold on, make sure you ask in faith with no doubting, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, tossed and, and to and fro by the wind, driven by the wind. I don't want to be thrown around by my doubt and go the direction of whatever feelings I have in the moment. I don't want to be led by my emotions. I want to be stable. I want to stand on the truth and have faith. Ask for wisdom. Some of you are going into seasons and situations where your own human wisdom that you've relied on for so long, it ain't going to cut it. It's not going to be enough. You're going to come up short. You're going to be exposed. You're going to hit your head against a wall. And you're going to fail if you operate in your own wisdom. I'm letting you know. Some of you right now are facing things that you don't know what to do. There's so many options. You, you don't know which one to pick. Or there's no options and you don't know how to even make a, make a, find anything that is an option at this point. Like, I don't see any, any way out. I don't see any way to do this. I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know how to address the situation. There is wisdom if you just ask. And this is not just for big decisions. This is for daily walking with the Lord in the small things. Lord, I pray for wisdom when it comes to dealing with my children and disciplining them well out of love. And discipline is not whacking them. Sometimes if a good little whacking is involved, do it. (laughs) Not out of anger. But I'm talking about discipline like training and correcting and shaping a certain direction. God, give me wisdom to do that well and to represent you faithfully so they have an accurate view of you through my life, through my parenting. 
God, give me wisdom to, to lead this church. God, give me wisdom to um, ne- address this situation in my marriage with my wife. Give me wisdom to, to approach that. Give me wisdom on what to do with my job situation. And I feel a calling. I feel a, this, this, this almost angst to leave my home that I've known for 30 years. And, and there's job security problems. And I don't have a job where I want to go. Lord, give, you, give me wisdom. So the last prayer is this. Fill us with your wisdom. It's that simple. Fill us with your wisdom. Those are the last three prayers. God, empower us to know your love. Like we need strength and power that we do not have in order to know your love and help us live in that love. Number 11, open our spiritual eyes to know all that we have in your son. The hope, the power, the inheritance, the riches, and fill us with your wisdom. If you pray these 12 things like this year, can you imagine if you prayed this every day? Not mindlessly, not like you're just reading a script, not without any kind of desire or intent behind it, right? But if you pray this out of a deep place in your heart and a deep desire for these things and out of genuineness and authenticity, come back here in 2024, January 1st, and tell me what your life looked like this year after praying these 12 things every day. Man, can you imagine? Sanctify us in the truth. Keep us from the evil one. What that will do when you pray in faith and believe for God to move and answer these prayers. If you guys didn't already know, this is Above Reproach Ministry. You can find everything about this ministry at AboveReproachMinistry.com. Podcast, book, online church, ways to give, all the free resources we have, all our YouTube sermons and messages and trainings and all that stuff, okay, are accessible to you completely free because of generous supporters uh, like you guys in this community. Besides my book, that costs money for publishing. So um, that's it for today, guys. I hope this was a blessing to you. Pray these things in 2023. And I'd love to... Like even keep track of whatever noticeable results there are. You can't always qualify it that much. You can't always like, you're not always completely aware of how your prayers are affecting the, your life and the world around you. You can't always uh, quantify that. Um, but take notice of what God does do that you know is a direct answer to the prayers you've been praying. All right? Love you guys. Keep moving towards Jesus. And I'll see you later. Bye.